Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Let's jump right into... And on this rock is what we're calling today. And we'll start where we left off last week with leading it. If you have your Bible, you're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. And this is the Holman I'm reading out of. Matthew uh, 16, verses 13 through 19. It says this. It says, when Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? He's asking the disciples, who, who do people say he is, right? And they said, well, some say it's John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he comes back in verse 15 and says, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responded. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, You are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build this. I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. I love that. That's why we got the title today, And On This Rock. And on this rock, he says, I will build my church and the forces of Hades will not overpower it or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In verse 19, he starts by saying, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so what I want you to see is Peter is a leader. He's got it. He's got it in uh, John 6, 68. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The disciples are in this kind of a quarrel with Jesus. And they walk off and leave him because they're upset. And, and Jesus looks to Peter and says, aren't you going to go with them? And Peter says, no, no, I wouldn't. He says, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. You have everything I need. Why would I go with him? So Jesus has known this from the start, and and Peter's walk with Jesus has prepared him for this moment. It's why Jesus transitions the church to Peter right before he ascends to heaven after his resurrection. So Peter's a leader. He gets it. And the disciples follow Peter. Peter's leading everywhere he goes. If you look in Scripture, you see that. And so Peter uh, obviously believed that he was a child of God, that God created him and called him, that God chose him, that God accepted him, all the things that we've been talking the last few weeks, that he was a temple, and that ultimately he was a disciple of Jesus. And Peter believed because um, he learned it, he lived it, and he got to a place where he was leading the other disciples. And because he was, Jesus said, you're a rock. He said, you're a rock. And on this rock, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so then in that moment, was Peter ready? No, not even close. It's not even close, but he believed. He believed. And isn't that the same seat that you sit in today? You're a rock. It's not that you're ready. It's not that you're ready to be, but, but you sit in the seat of, yeah, Yeah, I believe I'm chosen, called, accepted, confident. I believe I'm all those things. And I just want you to uh, look at 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16 with me. These are two scriptures that we uh, shared last week, but I didn't really get to knock them home like I want to today because this is one thing that Peter believed. And it's one thing I want you to see this morning. I believe God brought this back to our attention for a reason. So 1 Corinthians 3.16, the NIV says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? It's great. It's very single. It's very individual. I can own that. 
What I love about the New Living Translation is it puts us together as a group, as a body, right? It says, don't you realize that all of you together are a temple, are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you. He lives in you. And so that's the message today. That's the message. We are the church. And so your action step over the next few minutes is to really identify with Peter. It's really to identify with Peter. You're a rock. You're a rock. Regardless of how confident you are, regardless of how spiritually mature you are, you're a rock. And God wants to build his house. He wants to build his church through you. And so as we talked over the past few weeks about building your house on the rock, about having personal values based on biblical principles, Jesus calls all of us to be the church. He says, you're a temple. He says, you're the church. The church, again, is a body of believers. It's not a building. It is a movement. It's not a monument that we visit. The church happens seven days a week. It's not just something that happens at 10 a.m. on Sunday or at 10 p.m. on Sunday. And so, so all that said, Dusty, that that's the message and we're done. What's next? And really, I've, I've been excited to share this with you for the past uh, two weeks as I knew this was where we were going. I didn't, I didn't really have steps one through four laid out. That wasn't clear in my mind, but today they are as we've met with our team this week and I've met with other churches around the country. Other churches are going to follow our lead, I believe, just like uh, we uh, had so many other churches following our lead through hospital outreaches. And so, um, so then the question that we're going to answer is what's next? What's next? Where are we going and how are we going? And I use those words specifically because that's what we're called to do. We're called to go into the world and make disciples or make a difference. And we do that by our example, by who we are. And so if we're going to live, lead people to live in real relationships, it's going to take relationship. It's hard to love others from a distance. It's even harder to build community from a distance. And so then how do we move forward? And you think that uh, we move forward by regrouping. One, we're going to regroup. Uh, when we were uh, 10 weeks old quarantine hit. And so we were just in preview services trying to figure out very, very word of mouth, no marketing, no social media, no online services. We were just being the church and, and trying to, trying to be a community church built by people. Right. And so we didn't know, um, who was calling us home, who was visiting, who was here to stay, who was just here to steal from us? Who was just here to check us out? Who was here in protest? We didn't know who was sitting in the pews. We just knew we were here to share the gospel and help people move forward in their faith. And so fast forward 17 weeks later, we're in week 27. We have a decent follower uh, following on Facebook and YouTube, which is great. There are hundreds of people who are watching. Uh, most of them not watching inside this feed right now, commenting, but they're watching from their feed. And if you are, hello, and come on in, man, come on in. And so I had Wyatt do a quick breakdown of uh, the engagement that we've had over the past uh, 15 weeks on Facebook and YouTube. And what he came up with is uh, between 60 and 70 people um, are engaging on a regular basis, meaning over the last 15 weeks, you've watched five times or more, which is above average, believe it or not. And so that means um, that means we've got a pretty decent following uh, for a startup church that uh, got shut down. They got restarted online. That's regrouping to move forward 
post-COVID-19. And so what do all those numbers mean? It means we're regrouping. Regrouping is the main word. It's going to be the name of the next two weeks worth of messages we're going to be sharing. I do not know what those are yet. I know they're going to be rooted in how we're moving forward. Um, and I'm looking forward to them. So we are keeping up with COVID-19 We're as we regroup and make plans to move forward as a church. Um, I do want to let you know that your safety is a, the number one importance uh, to us as far as uh, how we treat you and how we move forward. Um, and, you know, whether we do live worship or not is is another uh, topic altogether. But um, I do want to let you know that we are uh, keeping up with all of the ins and outs in the news. And uh, it's it's exhausting as we start to see another rise and, and places around the country start to shut down. So in that, though, I don't believe that we, the church, and I'm talking capital C, I'm going to talk a lot about the, the capital C church, the big church, uh, for the majority of uh, the next uh, five to seven minutes, because I want you to have context as to why we're moving forward. This is not just on a whim, and it's not some crazy dream or some some audible voice that I heard from the Lord. Um, some of this we felt, Heather and I felt moving here, and it's just coming to fruition right now. And um, and so I think that we can really um, capitalize on our circumstances as opposed to let it hinder us. And so what I don't feel we can do is the capital C church, the big church, uh, regardless of denomination or faith or religion or how many years you've been in church, is to go back to 2019. I don't think that any of us uh, as pastors or as congregants can go, man, I just really wish we could go back to 2019 when we were doing that because that doesn't exist anymore. and and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if that's ever going to exist anymore, especially in that capacity. And so I do believe we should be moving forward and preparing and um, seeking God for what we are to do in 2021 and 2025 and 2030. And so we have to be forward thinking in all of the negativity, if that makes sense. And so I've been in ministry for a really long time. Um, I hope that you understand that today's um, today's message is um, is very clear to me because of my past experience. And so I want to give you a look uh, behind the scenes at what we, the big C, uh, kind of have struggled with in the past and what leads us to creating the monster uh, that it can sometimes be. And so, again, not being uh, cold hearted or um, not not trying to ruffle anybody's feathers or anything like that. But man, I just think that this, um, that the clarity behind this is going to help you understand the direction we're going. And so hang with me. If you have a pastor friend, you'll be able to tell him all the things that he's never wanted to tell you after this is over anyways. And so um, the four big things that, that big churches, you know, measure is attendance. They measure giving, they measure square footage. I was reminded of this this week and they measure parking lot capacity. Now, in measuring all those, is that measuring discipleship? Are we helping people move forward in their faith at all with those numbers? And what do those numbers mean? They mean good things for us, but not really anything for them. And in the church, that's the two groups of people you have, the insiders and the outsiders. And really, we should be doing church for the outsider, not the insider. And so uh, the second thing I want to share with you is if a hundred people, if we gather today in my basement and a hundred people were here, uh, you could bet that a hundred of those people, all 100, 100%, 100%, 
all 100 people believed. They believed in something. They might not all believe the same thing, but they believe in an afterlife. They believe in a God because they're here. So you can say they believed. 60% of those people would believe enough. They would trust me enough as the pastor to invite somebody the very next week. 60, 60 of those 100. 40 of those 100 would believe enough to meet in a smaller group during the week sometime. Okay. Friends group, small group. There's all kinds of those groups going on. And then 20% of those people, 20 of those 100 would believe enough to serve. They would say, Dusty, um, can I come in, run your kids ministry, um, serve in the nursery, make the coffee. Like I believe so much in what we're doing as a church that I want to be part of this. I want to serve. So 20 of the 100 would serve. Eight of them would give. Okay. Only eight. It's a Barnapole stat. Again, this is not a giving message, so don't get stressed out about that. Okay. But what I want you to see is the last two numbers are really what make the church run. They what make the church go. And so the sad thing is on a weekly basis, we extend, we, we exhaust the same 20% of people to reach the eight as opposed to the 92. Okay. And so that same uh, 20% of people we, we exhaust um, are those who are coming in and striving to make a difference. They're working um, to execute the plan that we've, that we've laid out. Right. And numbers in church make the load lighter. Right. And so uh, they make the load lighter in time in with the workload, obviously with, uh, with volunteers and then in our finances. And so then the eight is pretty self-explanatory when it comes to finances. What we have to ask and answer is this, do we, the church exist to reach the 92 or to keep the eight? Are we really just trying to keep the eight happy? And to be honest with you, real talk is depends. Who are those eight? What do they fund? Are we running their ministry and their ideas? Are they funding that so we have to do it? And when you get down to it, most churches, again, not being ugly, it's just reality. Most churches are operating to keep those eight people happy. And so then when we come to summertime, this is what pastors call the summer slump. We feel like the whole church has disappeared. Well, right now they have because we're in quarantine, right? And we're trying to work our way back into regular meetings. And so the summer slump, we, what pastors feel is the whole church is gone. The reality is, is the whole church isn't gone. It's only those eight people who are gone. And those eight people provide the income that provide our safety net that make us feel good. And so we feel like everybody's here. Even if nobody was here and those eight were here, we'd feel full. Okay. And so that's just a little bit of real talk for you. The last thing I want to share with you is this. Um, Wait a second, before I go to that, here's the reality. That's how the church tends to operate is to keep the eight and not to reach 92. We came to reach the 92. And when you think about it, those eight givers, if that's the average against the average, most churches are above average. Some churches are way below average. Okay. I'm not going to tell you where we're at, but you can guess. Okay. And so um, (laughs) when really those eight should be all in. Because when you commit to support the church, what you're really saying is, this is my church. It's taking ownership. This church becomes my church when I take part in it, when I give to it, right? And so when those eight are actually giving, they're saying, I believe in the mission so much that I'm going to support it. So then ownership means what else can I do to help? 
What else do we need to do before we get out of church today? Do, uh, you know, we had uh, a mom. Um, oh, Deborah, Deborah, if you're watching, I love you. You're amazing. Deborah brings her sons and after every church, Hey, what can they do to help? What can they do to help? Now, listen, they're not very motivated to help, but she's, she is trying to teach them. Right. And so we're going to show them. We ain't going to make them right. Anyways, it's that it's taking ownership in the church. It's taking ownership to say, this is my church. What else can I do? Not, Hey, I give here. What are you going to do for me? Why are you not doing this? Do you know that I pay my tithe? Like, come on, man. Ownership when you give, okay, is those eight. And those eight should be all in. What else can I do? All right. So then, and here's the reality. It's fine. It's found in Mark 12. Okay, I'm not going to read the scripture, but I just want you to know this. When you give from your heart, giving from your heart trumps giving from abundance. Anybody can give from abundance because it's out of the extra. When you give from your heart, it's giving with all you have. And that's what God wants. God's after your heart. That's why we give because uh, our treasure is where our heart is. Our heart is where our treasure is and vice versa. So then wherever you find one, you're going to find the other. We treasure people. That's what our heart is. Okay. And so then the other stat that you need to know, let me get to this. The other stat you need to know is when it comes to the 20% of the people that we, the church, tend to exhaust because it's low-hanging fruit. And what happens is they are so committed and they're so in that when we start a new ministry idea or a new event, guess who serves it? They do. And so we've got the same person who's the usher, also helps set up the church, also helps tear down the church, also helps on the midweek event. And so they just become exhausted. And none of them complain because they believe. But what they slowly start to do is become unhealthy. They're spiritually unhealthy because the one they never get fed, they never get to attend a service, and then they quit. And when they quit, they feel like they're letting you down, so they leave your church. They leave your church. And then when that happens, we failed as pastors, right? And it's all because of the constant push and, and push and push and push to keep going, right? Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. And this is what, um, this is what I've realized over the last several years is this is the same 20% of people are serving and doing everything for the church, and they show up, they make the church go. And we have that 20% of people who show up as the core, right? And so what happens is uh, every week of church that happens, if out of those 100, only 20 of them come every week, okay? 80 of them are off doing something else. Now, once a month those 80 will come, but they do not come on the same day, right? So then what we do as the church is we end up sitting back in reaction mode. And we say, we know 80% of the people are going to come this month. We just don't know when. And so then we need to do this, do this every week to catch them all. And then because we're not catching them all, we should create a new event that will bring them all. And the reality is it's not. It's just exhausting the same 20% of our people. It's exhausting our team. And so pre-COVID, 80% of all people attended church once a month. Post-COVID, what we're seeing in the church is only 10% of the congregation is returning. And so half of that 20 is coming back. And so if a church had 90 people showing up before, they only have nine now. Okay. If they had 900, they have 90. So on, you get the point. And so so then what you realize is every Sunday we show up and we feel like we've lost. We feel like the numbers are down 
and we feel like we have to do something else. Well, we've got to do more because, because we're seeing this decline and we're seeing less people. When all we're really doing is burning out our core people, we're exhausting our staff, and we're creating the need to do more when really we need to do less when we are after health. What we want, what I hear in all of this and what is on my heart is, is not so much um, about attendance and giving and, and, and all that. It is health. And what I want is spiritual health for the 80. And I want spiritual health for the 20. And I don't just want spiritual health. I want spiritual depth. I want people to move forward in their faith. And so then. The last thing that um, we need to do is more. And again, we can't go back to, well, we need to get back to what we we're doing before COVID because the push to get back to doing that is just busy. It's just busy. And so when you lead church like that, I've, I've, I'm, we've gotten kind of serious, so I'm going to make you laugh. I think, I think you're going to laugh. Um, what leading like church what leading church like that looks like is something like our camping trip that we took last week. Take a look. Hi guys. I am freezing. Yes, you can probably middle, guys. Yeah, you're gonna have to help us because we gotta be a It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. I can't tell you how many miles I walked up and down that river with our kids um, in all rocks and some like cheap $4 shoes. It was amazing. We had the time of our life, but it's exhausting. I was so tired. That first night, um, we were sleeping on the ground. Like we didn't even take an air mattress. All right. It was hard. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And that's what it is because we're constantly going more and more. What are they doing? And you look over and this church is doing something. I can't tell you how many churches are doing that to us right now. And I'm meeting in a basement. I'm so bothered by it. I talked, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about this. It is so frustrating to see that happening. And in all that, I just will say, wait, just wait. What's God calling you to do? Who's God calling you to be? How's God calling you to lead? Go. Go. Being here for us is really great because we bring fresh perspective. It's it's really, really good. Um, but I would say that it's just what God's doing through us. It's nothing that's my idea or Heather's idea. Um, we don't have a six-week plan out in front of us where we're just marching down a, um, a, a structured uh, plan of, oh, here's here's the series that we're in and, and here's the message title or the topic we're in. No, we are listening and looking around and praying and seeking God on a daily basis and talking together and praying and reading and coming together. And by Thursday, it's like, man, this is what's happened this week. This is where we are. This is where we are. Okay. And we're getting more leading by just being faithful and being obedient and, and being willing to slow down and listen. And so then it's exhausting to run church chasing metrics. I don't believe, I just have a hard time believing that God has called us to lead these big corporate organizations when really we should only be focused on discipleship. And so I think you know this by now, but what I want you to understand in all of this today is because I've got an ask for you at the end of this is I want you to understand that um, me and Heather did not come here to measure anything. 
you know, our board in the very beginning asked me, well, how many people do you see coming to your church? And I said, that's not up to me. Well, you got to have a number in your head. What is it? What is it? You got to have it. And I said, one, if one person comes to our church, we win. We win. If one person finds Jesus, we win. If we help one, one person move forward in their faith, we win. I'm not here to measure. I'm not here to keep up with the Joneses or any, any other denomination that's here. I'm here to help people move forward in their faith. We didn't come here to compare to anybody. We did not come here to be a mega church. I've had so many people tell us that, oh, you don't want to, you know, I work for a mega church. It's probably one of the greatest churches in the country. It really is. It really is. I didn't come here to be that. God didn't say, go start that church there. He said, said, go love people. He said, go walk out what it means to live Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And so we didn't come to be a mega church. We came to be the church. We came to be the church. We come here to build a community church and community takes people and it takes relationship. And so how do we bounce back from that? How do we get into that post COVID-19, post quarantine, still wearing masks, you know, kind of navigating the current circumstance. And I just want to tell you that what that means is this. My job as the pastor, as your pastor, is to care for you. It's to shepherd you. It's to feed the sheep. It's to feed the sheep. Tend to the flock. It goes farther than that, though. The intention of every shepherd is to get the sheep to feed themselves. At some point, you will feed yourself because God has called all of us to go. And so then the goal is for you to live out the Great Commission in your life in whatever capacity that is. I exist to add spiritual value. I want to add spiritual value to your life so that you have spiritual depth, so that you can experience growth in your spiritual life. That's it. Because here's what I believe. I believe if you're here forever, let's just say we were meeting today. If you're here forever and you're sitting in the back seat, and six months from now, you're still in the back seat. You've not engaged anymore. You've not committed anymore. You've not moved forward anymore. Your relationship with God is still the same. I've failed as your pastor. Have I really? Because you could just shut me off and just be, you know, just hard. But yes, I take it personal. I do. Because I feel like if we are doing what God's called us here to do, then everybody is, is moving forward in their faith. They're growing spiritually. It's super important because we're all called to go. And until we all get to the level where we have that confidence like Peter to say, you know what, not ready, but, but I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, one, of our, one of our ladies that um, attends on a regular basis uh, both online and when we were in person, she shared a stat today. She said, 23% of people believe the Bible. 23% of America still believes the Bible. And it's like, golly. And it's believable. It's very believable. And so then we've got to get back to that. This means this. We've got to get back to being the church, the church of Acts, right? The first century church that was built on community. It was built on relationship. It was built like this before we learned to read and write and text and shoot videos and, and watch YouTube clips and look at memes. It was a church that was built on relationship, like family, like family. And so this means we have to redefine the expectation and the experience of everybody who connects the word church to redefined. It's not just good enough to be redefined. We've offended a lot of people with that name. That was never the intention. Do you think that God is like, ah, oh, let's see how we can offend people with the name? We weren't like that either. That's silly. 
there was never meant to be an offense in the name. The offense uh, that's, that's being taken is coming from a, from a different place, from a negative place. The reality is if we don't redefine the church to people, if we don't redefine what it means to be the church, if we don't redefine the expectations of people and the experience people have, then it's going to continue to, do, to decline, to be on the decline. And so then redefining it means just that. What does church mean? Because when you say church today, regardless of what state you're in or region or city, or really even what part of the world you're in, when you say church, church comes with an expectation. People know right now, like as soon as you say church, and here's the reality, in America, 60% of people are done with the church. So when you say church, that is negative for 60% of people. So it's like a wah, wah, been there, done that, been hurt, it's fake, people suck, whatever it is, it's negative. And so then we have to reintroduce that. We have to redefine the expectation. We have to redefine people's experience. What do they know of the church? And if we only go back to what we were doing in 2019, we lose it. We lose it. I also want to say this. There are a ton of missions trips across the world that have been canceled right now. They've been paid for. They have teams, but they've been canceled. And I just want to challenge, if you're a church leader watching right now, take your team and your money and love your neighbor. The need is in the neighborhood. The need is in the neighborhood. The need is in your city. You have teams, you have people, and you have the resources right now. I'm not saying that that the country that's across seas doesn't need it. But man, we spend so much time preparing for mission trips, learning languages and customs and how to navigate and where to stay and what to do. And we take zero time, zero time to learn our neighbor next door. It doesn't make any sense. And right now, of any time, we have the opportunity to say, wait a second, we had a team for that? We had resources for that? We don't have to spend that money. We can save that money. What would it cost to go next door? What would it cost to go to the neighborhood? What would it cost to go to the community? What would it cost to go and be the church? Every church in the country right now is sitting with groups of people waiting to go on missions trips. Sad heartbroken because they can't go with hurting people sitting right next to them. Wasn't in the script. So getting back to the church means this, knowing all of what was just spoken, we have an option. We can hold on for dear life and be the last people to believe those 20 percenters, right? Or we can be the solution And that's what regrouping means. It means being the solution. Knowing that the church, capital C, big C church, is called to impart the gospel. We're not called to entertain people. And we've shifted to that. Even from my basement, we've shifted to that. And it's because there's this, you feel this need to provide something for you on the other end of a screen that keeps you here. In reality, um, it's... We're competing, the church right now online is competing with media galore, right? And so we've got to change the way we're doing this too. And we're going to do that. And so here's what imparting the gospel means. I love this. Impart means to pass on. That's what leading it means. Impart means to pass on. 
to relay, to bestow, to lend, or to provide. That's what impart means. We are to impart the gospel. How do we do that? How do we do that? We're going to do it with who we are. We're just going to use our values, unity. We share the same heart, period. It's Genesis 1.27 and Philippians 2.2-5. 2, 2 Honor. We respect everyone, regardless. It's Romans 12.10. We're going to be honest. We've all dropped the ball. We've all fell short. Nobody's perfect. Honesty. Romans 3.23. Hospitality. We're going to love one another. We're going to welcome people on their terms, regardless of who they are, where they live. You know why? Because biblical hospitality loves people no matter what. It's 1 Peter 4, 8, 9. So then if you're a note taker, what's the plan going forward? What's the plan going forward? We are regrouping as a church, regrouping. So what's that mean? Here is the, uh, the plan. We're going to gather once a month as a church, as a big group. They will be more like pop-up locations because we don't have a permanent location right now. We were meeting at an elementary school here in town, but the schools are still closed and we have no word. We've got no communication back from them whatsoever. And so um, it's not that we're not hopeful for that. We just know the timing's not right. And so the school system has been very good to us and we love the partnership we have with them, but we will not be meeting there anytime in the near future. And so the gathering, um, We'll be on the fourth Sunday of every month. We're going to meet as a whole church. And that first gathering will be Sunday, July 26th. It will be at 10 a.m. And the location is going to be, uh, it's TBA. I'm not sure yet. I've got some meetings this week with some city officials who uh, hopefully are going to provide some direction for us. So I'm really excited about that. You can pray for that this week, please. Uh, I would appreciate it. The other three weeks of the month are where I need your help. I need your help. And if you can identify with Peter today, and Jesus said, you're a rock, you're a rock. You can sit there today. You've got the confidence of God. We believe that. You're a rock. And what God's going to do through you, because you're the church, you're a temple. And I want you to lead with me. I need you to lead with me. I need you to lead with our team. I need you to lead with us. Because, because of this, the church is to be about engagement. It's not to be about attendance. We are to be the church. The church is about engagement, not attendance. And so then there are three things that we want to do. We want the churched, church people to be renewed. That's Psalms 51.10. We want the church, the church people to be renewed. We want the de-churched, people who have been hurt or walked away, feel like they've graduated or are just totally done with it because of law law, law. We are praying for them to be restored and we are going to serve. We are going to engage them because we want them restored. That's Psalms 51, 12. And the last thing we want to do is we want the unchurched to receive. That's John three sixteen. We want to reach the lost because we are called to go make disciples. That's why we want to be a church of engagement, not attendance. We're not chasing that number. Here's the thing. There are three types of people uh, probably watching today. If you're a high level leader, um, you lead in some type of capacity. You're a business owner. Um, you are seasoned in your faith. I need your leadership. I need your leadership. Okay. Your next step, especially spiritually, is to jump on board and lead with us. And so I'd love to have your leadership. It's not going to take you much but your experience is much needed.
is much needed. If you're new to church, man, you are primed to go. You likely have greater faith than all of us because it's new and it's fresh and you haven't learned all the rituals or the sayings yet. And so if you are new to church, we have a spot for you. I want you to lead with us. If you're in between those two spots and you're unsure, you've been here a while, you thought you saw growth, you thought you were on fire, but you're just in and out, man, your next step is right now. Now's your time to step in. And so we're going to drop a link in the comment box right next to us. And in the description, it's just going to say regroup. It's just going to say regroup. And you'd say regroup. That sounds a lot like a small group. And and in talking to our teams, small groups was the answer uh, that we got back from three of them. And I challenged them to think more forward, to be more forward thinking and to be more about um, what the church or who the church is called to be. And so here's what a regroup is. A regroup is more than a small group, but it does consist of mainly your family. Okay, so your family is the core. If you build your house upon the rock, if your house in order, you know your values, you agree with our values, man, it's time for you to lead. And so a regroup is um, mainly your friend, your family and any friends that you feel comfortable with and they feel comfortable with you. You walk around the house in your pajamas and they're there. I mean, depending on what all your agreement is there, it's up to you, but it's your family and friends or people who um, you feel comfortable with or you know need to be a part. If they need to be a part, you invite and bring them and get them plugged in. What does a regroup do? This is huge. A regroup is the church. We're not going to rename the church regroup church, but a regroup is a church. What does a regroup do? They love God, they love each other, and they love their neighbor. They love God, they love each other, they love their neighbor. They live out Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And so here's what those three other weeks are. We meet once a month, but the three other weeks are this. They do one local outreach per month that is in their neighborhood. That can be their neighbor next door, down the street, could be a local business, could be a hospital, could be any of those things that we've been doing. And so then one local outreach per month, and that's how you love your neighbor. You're going to do one family style meal once per month. It's going to be on a Sunday and we're going to provide content for that. And that's how you're going to love each other. And then you're going to watch one online service together per month. And that's how you're going to get together and worship God and love God together. So what does a regroup do? They love God. They love each other and they love their neighbor. Those are three weekends. We're going to help you with that. And then all together once per month, we will meet. That once a month service is going to be an in-depth service, meaning uh, communion, extended worship, prayer, prayer inside of worship, and a message. But that message should push to what's happening in the next month. And so again, this month, July 26th, will be our first one of these messages. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. And I'm looking forward to seeing who uh, of of our people, of our watchers right now, are going to step up and lead one of these regroups. And so... Here's the thing. The fifth Sunday, there's a couple of months that we have fifth Sundays. That fifth Sunday, we will step out and love our neighbor, the city, either the community next door or the city next door, depending on where we live. And so we're all we're watching from all over the place. We have people that consistently watch from Florida, from Oklahoma, from Colorado and from right here in Michigan, even across the state in Michigan. And so um, I'm asking you all over if you are willing to be the church, will you lead a regroup for us? Will you lead with us?
Will you lead with us? If you say yes, or you're interested, I want you to fill out the form in the comment section. It doesn't commit you to it. It just says you're interested. And what's going to happen is I'm going to call you this week and go more in depth. I'm going to answer all of your questions and make sure that you have everything you need to know so you can move forward with some confidence. And so what you do need to know is this, I'm going to equip you. We're going to equip you for every week. We're going to help you do exactly what um, those weeks are built for. And so the first three weeks of every month, um, for us here, I said this earlier, we're going to change the format of this service. And so we're going to cut this down to uh, between 10 and 15 minutes. And then we are going to push uh, some content out with some questions and um, put a timer on the screen for you guys to actually grow spiritually, to ask questions and to work back and forth inside your home. And uh, let's, let's just see what God does with you in your house, with your leadership, as you gather people around the table. All of these three things work with kids. And so you don't have to be like, well, what am I going to do with my kids at this time? We've thought about that and we're going to help you with that. And so then we're going to give you conversation content to lead those family style meals wherever you gather. We're going to give you um, conversation topics for those, in, for those um, online services. And then we're going to give you uh, outreach ideas for your location. So regardless of where you're meeting from, uh, Florida to Colorado, Michigan, Oklahoma, it does not matter. Uh, New Jersey, I've got some New Jersey. We've got Boston there. We've got it all over. And so thrilled to have you guys be a part of this. And I believe you are part of the solution to being the church in your area. And so excited to have you guys sign up and do this. And so I want to give you an example of an outreach right now. Um, I would love to celebrate this with you. What celebrated gets repeated. And we believe that outreach is a large part of the church. And so for an example of an outreach, I'm going to use uh, the past three and a half months. We've done something called COVID-19 relief where we've been serving the frontline workers at three of our local hospitals here in the Gross Point Detroit area. And man, it has been amazing. Um, our contact with those hospital reps has been very, very touch and go as uh, depending on the week, it's been very like pick up from Einstein's with the mask on and go deliver to some uh, person out front with a cart or a wheelchair and they wheeled inside. And so it's been very touch and go. But man, the stories that we've heard, the thank you notes, uh, the, the, the messages we've got on social media have been very touching. And it's just been so good to be able to serve others who were serving others, just to go and be, uh, to be salt and light, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring a uh, love in the form of a warm bagel. And so uh, breakfast sandwich, you never thought Jesus could be found in a breakfast sandwich, but man, the fact that it comes with no strings and that people understand that this is a church we're getting to show people, we're getting to reintroduce to people who the church is. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to dive into what we're going to use to regroup and so the people in our communities um, can regain, so the people in our communities, communities can grow spiritually, but so we can regain a spiritual presence in our community, in our city. You know, if I take uh, Seven Mile or Maras, and, and I take go from Maras on Mac all the way to downtown, I pass 73 churches. Most of them are um, empty or abandoned, or and, and I'm not saying that all of them are, but most of them are. And you can tell there was a spiritual presence here before. And we want to bring that spiritual presence back. And it's going to start by uniting the communities that surround our city. And we are very fortunate that God put us, put us here. He planted us here to do that. And so over the next uh, two weeks, we're going to jump in and talk about how we can do that, how we can equip you and what we're going to use to move forward. And so if you want to sign up,
for, uh, to lead. We're looking for leaders. And what this is going to do is create a leadership team for me where I can communicate with other people and we can actually uh, work on building community and building the church, the people who fill these houses and uh, fill these regroups so we can love our community and reach our city. All right. Remember this. I'm closing. We learn with our head. That's how we establish our relationship. We start getting that head knowledge of who God, the Father, Jesus, Son, the Holy Spirit are. We live by believing. You start to get it in your heart. Living it is believing it in your heart. Spiritual disciplines. It's engaging in that real relationship with God. And then leading it is when we get it to our feet. We've got it from our head to our feet. And when it gets to our feet, we're leading it. And we're building because we've established that great relationship with God. An ongoing two-way relationship with God. We have those relationships with others where they see Jesus in us and they want what we have. And so then... We must get it from our head to our feet or from our couch to the street. It starts with each one of us. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.